This podcast contains colourful language and adult chats. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Generation Why Though podcast, where we ask why we are who we are, why we make our life choices, what's going on in the world, and why are we ready for any of it? We are just three best friends, chatting shit, talking about why, Generation Y do what they do. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Hi. I win. Oh, my God. The harmony in that <laughs> was it? unbelievable. Why is always a competition. I don't get it. Lads, I don't know about you, but with our new mic, shout out to the new mic, I feel myself, like, looking at you more and, like, proper chatting more. It's so nice. I know. It's very intimate, isn't it? Well, also, I like looking in your eyes, just not his eyes. Oh, you can't see. So you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, I really think we should give the mic a name. Oh, my God. What should we call but, it? But... I think it should be up to the listeners to decide the name. Yes. Shout. Absolute shout. Yeah. Do so, we give options? No, we do not give options. We let them go. But if you do give a stupid name like Mikey McMikeface, we will not do that. Absolutely not. Or maybe we will, because it might be the only option. We will block you. Yeah. So keep an eye <laughs> keep an eye on our Instagram and our social media channels. We'll have a poll up once you guys have given us a few suggestions. Amazing. That'll be the name of the mic. How was everybody's week? Um, I had a lovely week. I went to this thing. You might have heard of it on a Saturday. Thing? Yeah. It's called um, Brunch. Brunch. (laughs) Ah. It's this thing that people go to and they drink alcohol, but it's unlimited for a certain price and it's really, really good. I've never heard of this. I feel like this is new to our generation. I feel like I discovered a new hobby and it's one I'll be partaking in as much as possible. Wow. I think we as a team should do a a brunch. Yay. I just bring the bike. And just bring the mic. Oh my god, live episode. I was just about to say, which wouldn't it be amazing if we could live stream a brunch? Like, that would actually be gas. Welcome back to the Irish Glossary. Now, we know you've heard this many times before, but for those who don't know, gas is a commonly used term for hilarious. The ultimate compliment you can give an Irish person is to tell them they're an absolutely gas bitch. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, this week I had a really nice week i hate saying that every time it's so lame this week i did fuck all really it's like fully um netflix and chill watching top boy mm-hmm. which is gas because it's filmed like on my road so i'm a celebrity now oh it is the guys that work with yeah, me yeah yeah um it's to be disney plus and chill disney oh i know shit. i'm so excited yeah, i need to get on my apple tv ish mm-hmm. yeah well disney plus isn't coming until what march march well, march we can, for the uk we can dream we can dream a gay can dream my week was fine again i think you're you're hitting the nail on the head there it's very much getting into coming home from work throwing on the dressing gown and not yeah. doing anything territory so very much in that at the moment absolutely yeah you know you guys should really try that brunch thing though <laughs> highly recommend this i love how you say brunch brunch nice. that's how you pronounce it brunch We'll have another episode in ASMR of John being like, brunch, 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 brunch. Don't tease me like I'm that. I'm sorry. Clinky Prosecco glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so, Connor, what are we talking about today? Well, Nikki, I'm so glad you asked. Mm-hmm. So today I thought it would be quite relevant for us to talk about sexual health. Ooh. Ooh. I know. Bit of a change from what we've talked about in the past. A little bit more relevant, a little bit more... Saucy. Saucy and naughty. <laughs> Fun. Fun, yes. Okay, that's that's also the word. Important. Very, very important. I think that's what we kind of want to hit home here. So we're going to talk a little bit about sexual health, sexual health awareness, what it actually means, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I think the first thing that we should do is talk about what sexual health actually is. Uh The actual definition, because me personally, I thought I knew what sexual health meant. And just to reiterate, guys, the reason why we're talking about sexual health today is because this month we celebrated 10 years of 56 Dean Street Sexual Health Clinic, which is a famous LGBTQ plus 
sexual health clinic in Soho, um, which has kind of revolutionized sexual health testing, particularly in the LGBTQ community. Am I right? Absolutely. A quick phrase I need better myself, actually. Mm, That was beautiful. Thank you. It's also HIV testing week. Did I get that right? You did. It's HIV testing week. Yes. Yes. So it's this week. It runs from the 16th to the 22nd of November, I think. So this is a great time to be sexually aware. It's so relevant. So relevant. So relevant. So we want to make sure that, you know, on the pod we're talking about things that are important to Generation Y and we thought it was quite timely to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. So what does sexual health entail? Can you guys give me an idea of what sexual health entails? Um, I'm going to go for like the really boring textbook answer. My first immediate answer is don't get STIs. Yeah. But I think it's also possibly something to do with a mindset Mm. and to look at sex in a positive way if you were to like ask me to guess which I did so thank you for answering (laughs) (laughs) yes so according to the world health organization sexual health is referred to as a state of physical emotional mental and social well-being in relation to sexuality Mm -hmm. so it's not merely the absence of disease which is what a lot of people think it might be it also requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality as a whole and to sexual relationships as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences free of coercion discrimination and violence wow yeah so it's all about your mindset not only the diseases but about your mindset how you feel comfortable talking about sex and being in sexual relationships that makes perfect sense because you're right, John. Like, I think when you think of sexual health, you just think, oh, I don't have chlamydia. Deadly. Yeah. My first thought is, oh, do I have a pack of condoms in my pocket? Yeah. And I, in my head, I'm like, I'm not fucking pregnant. Yeah. Because <laughs> for me, sometimes when I was younger, it was like, I'd rather have fucking chlamydia than have a baby. <laughs> the same. The same. So yes, I thought sexual health could be a very, very good thing for us to talk about. And as Nikki said, it is the 10 year anniversary of 5016 Street, which is based in London. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's a gum clinic. Uh, can anyone tell me what a gum clinic stands for? I have absolutely no idea. Scientist Nikki's absolutely stumped. Well, I feel fantastic. <laughs> I'm gumstruck. <laughs> I actually hate you so much. <laughs> you hate me because you didn't think of that. I'm so jealous. Well. I actually quit after that. I'm not going to lie. So a gum clinic is a genital urinary medical clinic. Yes. Okay. So it's all about your sexual health. It's all about your between me down there's area. And they've been around for a very, very long time. It's their 10th anniversary today. So yeah, we thought it would be very, very important to talk about. Have you guys actually been to Dean Street before? I have a couple of times. I have also a couple of times. I haven't. I haven't been to Dean Street just because I usually get checks in my local GP. It's Trans Awareness Month. Yes. And I know... 56 Dean Street now have a clinic called 56 T, I think it's called, which is a clinic that they have once a week for trans people, non-binary people, which is like so fucking important. And I know those people in that community really, really appreciate that. And it's a shame that that it's such a groundbreaking thing when really it should have been in place years and years ago. So true. But... It's an incredible accomplishment. So thank you very much, Dean Street. Thank you, Dean Street. Are we sponsored by Dean Street? Should we? Should we? We'll send them a link. We'll get in touch with our people. For Generation Y, we apparently are having less sex than any other generation, but we have more STIs than any other generation. STIs, I believe, less sex? Yeah. Do you mean like less sex as a natural act or less sexual partners? The acts. We're having less sex on record percentage-wise. Compared to other generations. Mm, the more you know. Our STI occurrence is rising. So last year and this year was still the highest ever recorded STIs. But that could be because more people are getting checked. There's also theories that it could be because dating sites and dating apps where people have more casual sex with like multiple partners. Um, but yes, I think that the apps and the kind of 
the more sexual partners that we have is definitely an influence in that, I would imagine, anyway. Yeah. Not saying that I have been on the apps or I'm on the apps. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, like, okay, sex isn't on a platter first, but it is in the palm of your hand. Yeah. You know, within 10 minutes, you could, no, you know, I'm just saying within 10 minutes, you could find a sex person who wants to have sex with you. Go get the D done in fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's true. You is know, this an ad for Grinder. Please sponsor us, Grinder. Oh my god, please! I get free, can I get please get free Grinder extra for a whole year? Because that shit's expensive. Very expensive. Also, there's an, there's an increase in the availability of the morning after pill. Now I know this is maybe not something you guys are familiar with. No. You couldn't get it over the counter, and you had to go to the doctor, and it had to be on prescription. You obviously had to be over eighteen at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's a lot easier. You can just get it over the counter, and so well, it's a good you? thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. You can get it over the counter it's a good thing but also it it's a bad thing in regards to sexual health it's a good thing for teenage pregnancy and, and pregnancy of course, in general yes. unplanned pregnancies but with sexual health it means some people are relying on that instead of using condoms yeah so you know oh, i can see that they're yeah. using it as a form of contraception contraception which it isn't which, isn't it, which is not no. it's not a form of contraception Okay, well, that's very, very interesting. So, yeah, I think for Generation Y as well, the awareness of sexual health and sexual health awareness has become much more prevalent mm. than I think in yes. previous generations. And I think you can even notice that in maybe like, you know, the last 10 years of our lives, we talk about it a lot more. And that's probably why there's a higher increase. We see a rise in sexual health because more people are just getting tested. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think there's also like less of a stigma of it. So I sit on the tube, I see an ad for it. I watch oh TV, gosh, right. there is an ad for it. Mm. I pick up my phone, there is an ad for it. There's less of a you know, secret behind the door, like, if you want to get tested, that's okay. Now it's very much, your health is important and we are not afraid to make that clear to you. Yes. Plus, we also have the most amazing resource at our fingertips, the internet. What? Yes, the internet can help. Tinternet. The tinternet, that's so ironic. So We have the internet, which you can literally Google all your symptoms if you have any and learn more about sexual health if you need to. But then I do have to raise the point, do we think this because of the position we're in, like, you know, living in London, which is a big city, so there might be more talk about it. Do you think it might be the same in the smaller towns and hamlets around the country? Um, Interesting. And I think they discussed this on a Vice article that we read, basically Vice did an article uh, celebrating the 10 year anniversary of 5016 Street. Um, and there was a guy on there who came from Belfast, I think it was, and he was diagnosed with HIV and was completely embarrassed. He came from a Catholic country, a Catholic family, not necessarily a Catholic country, Northern Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> there was a lot of stigma around it. Yes. Um, first, he being gay, he was a gay man, is a gay man, and he was diagnosed with HIV. And he now moving in London, he spreads awareness and he sets up loads of different campaigns. And I think there maybe is a different mindset to it completely. I think it's also like the bubble, the people I I hang around with, the people I speak to are very open about their sex lives and Mm -hmm. sexual health. So I do think we can be a bit of a bubble. As you say, London, such a massive city, Mm -hmm. we're much more progressive in that sense. Whereas I have no doubt small towns in England, just like the same in Ireland, Mm. again, it's something we just kind of sweep under the rug. We don't talk about that. I wonder if you'd see, you said you saw signs and stuff for sexual health testing on the tube. Yeah. I wonder if you'd see that on like a bus in Sheffield. Yeah. If anyone's in Sheffield, like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any buses going around there. We're like, if you see that on the side of a bus there and bus, like, driving no through Tipperary, do you know what I mean? <laughs> the fucking dog wearing a condom. <laughs> <laughs> bus Aaron. Bus Aaron is a bus and coach operator providing services throughout Ireland. 
Its logo is an Irish red setter, which can be seen on the side of the bus, not wearing a condom. Oh my god. <laughs> Dog prices so sex. If anyone's listening to this and they have graphic design skills, please do the bus errand red setter in a condom. Please. <laughs> please. Just some quick stats on Gen Y and sexual health. Oh, I love this. So the CDC, which is the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, released some uh, surveys on sexual health last year. So it's insane the amount of us that are riding and have STIs. Like, it's mad. <laughs> really? So last year, there was 1.8 million cases of chlamydia recorded in the US. Oh, my god that was up 19 percent from three years before but that's only the people who got tested is it only the people who got tested and remember chlamydia has no symptoms for women so True. it can go unte- undetected for a long time so important to get tested girls so important i think we're going to say that every five minutes yeah. get tested yeah. <laughs> uh have a drink every time we say it <laughs> oh don't mind if i do gonorrhea was up 63 percent there was 583,000 recorded cases Syphilis is up 71%. The syph is mad thing. Like, syphilis? Oh my God, it's insane. It's had a mad recurrence syphilis has. Isn't that like a Victorian era? Victorian era? Victorian era bullshit. Yeah, yeah it's like an ancient thing, but like Daddy's brought it back, I think. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> uh, that was up 71%. Um, there was 35,000 recorded cases. These are just recorded cases. Yeah, I think a syphilis is like, you know, the ships who came from Europe over to America and mm-hmm. like the sailors and explorers died from us. No, John, that was the Black Plague. <laughs> um, we can edit that out. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. No, people we'll die from, they did die from syphilis though back they then. They did die from syphilis, yeah, yeah. In the UK, in 2018, there were almost 500,000 new diagnoses of STIs. So that's people who were just finding out they have an STI for the first time. Yes. So that's a lot. That's a lot, a lot of, of people. people. Well, um, then again, you can think of it this way, that more people were finding out because they were getting tested. So. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. That is a very positive spin, I think, on it. Yes, the STI's occurrence has risen. Yeah. But to me, that means that people are taking their sexual health more seriously in the sense of they want to get tested. They weren't embarrassed to get tested. To me, that's the first step. Also, most of the STI's, the most common STI's anyways, like chlamydia and gonorrhea, is completely treatable. Yes. So when we see these statistics going up for these STIs particularly, it's a good thing because you can treat it. It means you've gotten tested, you're going to get better. Yeah, so, you get it done two weeks, yeah. couple of tablets, bish, bash, bash. 14 days of medication exactly. for chlamydia? Something like that, yeah. Plus, actually, I saw as well in my statistics, because mm. I did some research too, like right. me, uh, gonorrhea is at its highest in the UK since 1978, Fuck. as of this year. I think I know why. I think I read about this. I know someone as well who has this. Have you heard of super gonorrhea? Don't know. It was like a superhero. Is it in the Marvel universe? Is it wearing a cape? <laughs> <laughs> it should wear a fucking cape. So you wouldn't get it. Lying around like. <laughs> Basically, the reason why gonorrhea has gone up is because there's a gonorrhea has a huge antimicrobial resistance to antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So their super gonorrhea was completely untreatable. Antibiotics would not work in it, and a lot of people were diagnosed with it. Every year they have to release new antibiotics to treat gonorrhea. It's like a really fucking difficult thing oh, to Oh, so handle. it's like that thing you learn in biology where a disease is so prevalent that it gets resistant yes. to the medication. Yes. So it goes, fuck you, I'm going to be stronger than the medication. And they call it super gonorrhea. <laughs> because I think scientifically you should call it super whatever. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all in favour of like lady mistress gonorrhea or something like that. <laughs> oh. oh. Like if you're going to be an SCR, it'd be like, you know, a lady of the night kind of thing. You're not a superhero or anything. No, but I like it sounds as if it's like um, different tiers and like a premium model so it's just like you can get gonorrhea gonorrhea plus or gonorrhea elite <laughs> for 9.99 I think Lady Mistress is just more badass I think Lady Mistress is fucking sexist you pig <laughs> oh, 
What are you trying to say? So there was a survey done um, by a magazine. I don't remember the name of the magazine. It was done on 4,000 of their readers, aged between 18 to 34. So our Generation Y. Generation Y, though. And they did a massive sexual health survey. And some of the results are quite interesting. It was on sexual health testing, mainly. Contested. Contested. The survey found that 30% of singles reported being tested before their last encounter. That's quite low, a third. I think so, I think that's low. Mm. Uh, 26% said they'd never been tested at all in their life. Makes sense, but not what we want to see. No, a lot of people are really fucking scared to get an STI test. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, like, um, ignorance is bliss. Think of it this way, it's basically like a trip to the doctors. How many of you, as a generation wire, have actively scheduled a doctor's appointment by yourself because you were too scared not to? Both my hands are down. I can't <laughs> okay, just attempt, me. I can't even attempt to put half a hand up. I'm awful for that kind of thing. But I think people are scared of doctors' experiences and that's what they kind of expect when it comes to an STI check. So yeah. they just pretend like it doesn't matter. And as you said, a lot of them don't have symptoms. So if I don't have a symptom, I clearly don't have anything, which again, is not always the case. Yeah. And your knob and your V, that's a knob. Your knob and your V. Is that what you're calling your fella this week? <laughs> <laughs> Knob and fee, like shoot me. Have I ever had sex before in my life? <laughs> Who knows? You um, decide. I thought it was sexy. I'm not gonna lie. Knob says Lady Mistress. <laughs> I don't care. It says Lady Mistress with her black mask. So it's quite invasive when you have testing there. I think people are kind of scared of the actual physical test. Yes, and they shouldn't be. This is really interesting with condoms. People are so fucking adverse to using condoms. It's insane. 80% of these 4,000 women who completed the survey said they don't use condoms every time they have sex. 77% of men said the same. Wrap it up. Wrap, yeah. Don't be silly. Wrap your willy. Absolutely. I just think it's one of those, like, I think it also comes down to sex is one of the most beautiful, pleasurable things in the entire world. Just be safe. So I feel we're sitting here and we're preaching about sexual health and getting yourself tested and getting yourself checked. Have we all been checked in this room? Yes. Yes, regularly. Okay. Because I have been tested and I have been tested in Dean Street itself. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, It's, I wouldn't say a lovely experience. Okay. But every time you go in, you're nervous. But I think the most important thing to realise is the lady behind the reception desk, Mm. the doctors who actually work in the clinic, Mm -hmm. they are professionals. They see so many people every day. Mm -hmm. It's not that they don't care about you. It's just you're another person who's in here making the right choice to get tested. You should not be embarrassed. They're not thinking anything negative about you. When I went in, you kind of answer some questions on the machine. They ask you some questions about your sexual past, partners, etc., etc., And then you get a kit and you go into a room and you swab yourself. Mm. So there's a swab in your mouth and there's a swab on the anus. You just kind of put those into a tube and you hand it over before you go downstairs and wait for your blood test. And don't forget you pee in a cup. And you pee in a cup. Oh yes. Oh my God. How did I forget about that? That's actually the most stressful part because you drink two bottles of water beforehand. You forget because you have to drink the water beforehand and you have to pee into the cup. But you have to get the first pee. If you miss the first bit of pee that comes out, don't bother. Oh, fuck. It's very important to get that. And there's like a limit that you have to do it. And if you're a boy, you know how hard it is to kind oh of my stop midstream. Oh my God, how did I forget about that part? And then obviously after that part, you go downstairs, they do your bloods, you wait for, I don't know, every time I went between 20 minutes to 30 minutes, they call you in, they ask you a few questions, they get about your sexual health, they ask you about how many partners, um, how much you had sex in the past couple of weeks or months mm. and that's with some sexual act that you might have done and in mm. that time they take your blood and then the miracle that is Dean Street gets back to you within six to eight 
hours. I can't even begin to describe how incredible it is. Back home, in every clinic you go to, it's six weeks. Yeah. And that's the, that's the normal time period for most clinics around yes. the country. I think Dean Street really kind of sets a different tone for everyone because they do have these special machines that allow you to get your results in about six six to eight hours plus when you go into those rooms you can do an immediate hiv test yeah they just yes. prick your finger and it will tell you within three seconds whether or not you have hiv yeah you're, you're, you're literally told right there so good it's a different world that we live in and it's a fantastic service yes. not everyone has access to that service but if you live in london or the surrounding areas you should go yeah 100 percent. like you'd be mad not to again get tested get tested get tested what about you nikki have you gotten tested recently uh yeah so i got tested uh maybe like a few weeks ago but that was because i had like a uti and i just got like the full test like as precaution i would say i'm in a relationship and don't think that's a reason not to get tested oh um, great. you no. should yeah. always get tested if you're in a relationship no matter how long it is no matter how faithful you are yeah. because there's many SCIs, as i said before that don't have are asymptomatic in women they don't have symptoms and also things like hpv can sit dormant in your system for your entire life there's no cure for HPV so get all of these things tested I think it's different with women maybe with stigma maybe this is just me but like we have to deal with like so much shit with our vaginas in general our vagina is my vagina is (laughs) play the drinking game (laughs) we struggle with more maybe infections than men do women are more prone to UTIs they get trush they get bacterial vaginosis they get all of these sort of infections that girls can get before they're sexually active Mm -hmm. the vagina has to have a very specific like pH and when that's off it's open to infections very delicate like it's a really really delicate part of the body Mm. so I think because of that women maybe aren't as afraid to go get tested or aren't as afraid to go get an STI test um, and don't think just because you have a fellet's that you shouldn't get done you should always get done and just because you're in a relationship getting it doesn't mean that you're worried that he's cheating or anything like that it's very much just keeping your sexual health yeah, yeah. Up, I mean, like you know up to date know your status know your status that's the most important thing um i think the most adult thing i've ever done in my life and i never thought i would have done this when i first met my what should i call him this episode Minab. 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 oh that's so reductive like, <laughs> you, set, you set the bar you, you yourself set already so. right. When I first met me, Nob, I can't. <laughs> Hi, Nob, if you're listening. Hi, Nob. We had very soon after we met planned a holiday together. I was safe. We were practicing safe sex anyway, and I was very cautious to practice safe sex. So it's a new partner, so like you need to be cautious about these things. Mm-hmm. But I was also very aware that like I didn't know this person at all, and like he was from a different country and like had a completely different life. So I was like okay, I'm just going to ask him to get an SCI test before I go on holiday because it's like, I want to make sure that I'm safe and he's safe. And it's also a really fucking good way as well to know if your man is like legit because if he's like, oh no, then he's a prick, don't fucking date him. Don't want bitch. Yeah, you don't want to be with someone like that. So I was like, look, it's this is going to sound really fucking weird, but like, I'm happy to go get tests. Do you want to go get tests? Like, let's make sure we're all clean before Mm. we go on holiday. I think that's beautiful, by the way. Yeah, but I think it's really important to like have these conversations. We were fine. Like, we were clean. Everything was good. But it's just like peace of mind. And also it's just, you have to be adult about it. Like if say he did go get a test and he had something, I need to know because then mm. I might need to be treated. But this kind of stuff as you talk about, you don't see that in the movies. No. Or read about in the books. Yeah, no. It's very much like, you know, dinners and coffee dates mm. and the best morning sex of your life. And maybe you'll fight about where you're going to eat for dinner. When in actual fact, things like your sexual health and wanting to get tested and ensuring you're both safe yeah. and ensuring that you're both willing to do it yeah. is an extremely important part of a relationship. Absolutely. And I'm so impressed that from the <laughs> very beginning you're like this is how it's going to be and that's how it should be that's how it should be he could have either thought this fucking psycho bitch or he could have been like yeah you're absolutely right and thank me he was like yeah you're absolutely right he's a good knob he's a good knob he's a good good knob 
So my experiences with sexual health have been kind of the same as the way you guys are talking about it. You know, when I first heard about it and thought about it, it was kind of scary. It was something that I'd never done before. So I went in and got tested. Um, I probably took a little bit longer to get tested than I probably should. I think I was in my early 20s and I got tested for the first time. And I think that's just down to the fact that I didn't know a lot about sexual health. And like we said, I was scared. I didn't understand. I could barely go to the doctor or the dentist on my own, let alone have someone go explore <laughs> me between me down there. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But now I'm in a very good place where I go quite regularly. I can talk about it openly with my friends and family and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I think it's a pretty good. But it wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. And I think I've touched on it there. Do you know what I mean? Like I only learned about it at a very late age. And yeah. I think that says a lot about maybe our generation like you know and we don't really have that kind of education as kids so true and actually you learn about sexual health after you've been sexually active which probably isn't the wise thing no it's not it's dumb yeah like you said in school in in our schools particularly in our in my school i went to a fucking convent so <laughs> you know they're not even supposed to believe in condoms like. <laughs> well i mean we got safe sex talk and all that kind of stuff we got the videos but it's just it wasn't very relevant to me i remember sitting there at like 13 or 14 and come to realise who I was as a person and we're sitting there thinking this isn't relevant to me mm-hmm. like, I don't need to know how the vagina works I don't need to know about safe sex and a lot of it was like sperm pregnancy 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 that's what a lot of safe sex talk is briefly mentioning STIs but it, it, I think like in schools we're kind of it's put into your head like you know don't get pregnant don't yeah. get pregnant yeah. that wasn't relevant to me I, so any of the sexual education I got wasn't from people who were supposedly experts I had to get it myself online on the internet which isn't a safe way to do it no way it was the only means I had yeah. so God help the children growing up gay in the 70s 80s and 90s oh, oh. Are you talking about? I know. that's why there was a huge HIV epidemic they didn't know which we will I think come on to yeah. later as well but for me there was literally nothing I distinctly remember in primary school there was one day where two 65 year old women from the church <laughs> came and sat everyone seriously they were from the church like they, that's what they fuck did me. their job was to kind of like fanny around the church and do bits two members of the fucking Eucharist coming to Zen yes two members of the Eucharist like. stuff did they bring the body of Christ they did not bring the body of Christ <laughs> but I distinctly remember the day they came in and they sat us down and they talked very basically about sex I barely remember what they said but it literally was like here's a diagram of the uterus here's a diagram of a penis that's it one of the kids was brave enough to ask the question what does water breaking mean to which none of us knew what he was talking about like literally no idea like I didn't have like even after that none I didn't have any of that conversation with my parents either like Mm. if my parents are listening and they did have that conversation with me you know I have a terrible memory but I do not remember I do not remember at all having a conversation with my parents about that I did have one a little bit later when I came out of the closet but the early like 11 12 birds and the bees nah Mm. I didn't have the sex talk with my parents either. I don't think they really knew how to talk to me about it. Yeah. They probably felt a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. They probably didn't want to tell me the wrong thing. Yeah. It must be very hard, like, you know, having a child as a teenager who's gay and you're like, oh, well, I can't really have the birds and the bees talk that I know of because yeah. I don't know what the birds and the bees is for him. Exactly. My sex education in school, it's funny, we've all said sex education, but none of it was sexual health. It was all mm. how babies are made. Yeah, where yeah babies exactly. Yeah. It was very much the biological side of things as opposed to how do you feel about sex or the different kinds of sex or sexual transmitted diseases or anything like that. And there was no mention ever of the concept of sex is something you want to do for pleasure or enjoyment. Oh my God, yeah. It's very much, when I was in school, it was very much like you would do it to procreate and have a baby this is how it works. A man and a woman come together when they want to have a child and they have sex. They roll around the hay and they have sex. I, my like sex education, I'm doing uh, air quotes. I now know the name of them from last week's pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing air quotes, but basically it was like, first you learn about your period, which isn't fucking sex ed. You learn about your period nonstop until sixth year. I'm like, I've had my period for five fucking years. Yeah. Like talk to me about 
how to put a condom on and what contraceptive pill I should be on. Those kind of conversations were proper taboo. My sex education talks were more how a baby is made. There was no talk on sexual health. There was no talk about gay relationships. As you said, there's no talk about sex or pleasure. What do you mean you have sex or pleasure? You're a woman for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, I had quite funny um, sex talks with my parents so like my mum but I know your parents <laughs> I can only imagine the story that's about to come out of your mouth I'm so excited I'll never forget it it's like etched in my fucking memory I had sex ed in school and I came home and I was talking to my mum and dad about sex ed and I reckon I was probably about 13-ish I didn't even know what a condom was we were sitting at the back garden it was a lovely hot day we had a barbecue I think and we were all having eaten burgers and dad was like so how'd it go? And I was like, yeah, grand, we were chatting. And then he takes a ketchup bottle, holding the base of the ketchup bottle. And he's like, no. so you know how when you open it, you just pull it down on top of the penis. No. And then that's how you put it on property. And my mom is just kind of like, I don't think that's what she learned today in school. I don't think she got that far yet. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Dad, what are you doing? And my dad's like demonstrating <laughs> condom and a ketchup bottle. And like 13 year old me is like scarred for life. It's like, huh? Definitely like, scarred for life. You're like still absolutely traumatized by it. I have one little negative story. It might bring the, the mood down. But one of my most prevalent memories was we were talking about sex a little bit in sixth year. And then one guy puts his hand up. Oh, how did you guys have sex? Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget my teacher like pulling a face and they say, Oh, really? It's oh, like, fuck's well, sake. You know, like men don't have that hole in the front, they have that hole, you know, in the back, and that's where it goes. And then literally, a like, hole, they can't even say anus, yeah, they like, say oh, hole. Oh, oh, oh. And you can literally see the teacher like having this look on her face. And at this stage, I was 18, I knew who I was, I told my parents. And there's nothing more lonely than just sitting there and everyone just like showing outright disgust yeah. for us. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. It's fucking belittling. Yeah, I really, really hope that LGBT sexual sexual health education is something that we can really work on in Ireland and the UK. I think that's something as well. I can only imagine what the kids are learning about sexual health these days. They must learn a lot more than we did back in the day. Well, I can give you a little bit of leeway into that. We don't teach exactly what sex is, but they do learn like the proper names for body parts. They do learn about going through puberty. They do learn how um, where babies come from and things like that. But I'm not sure what sexual health education is like in secondary school. I don't know how true this is, but I read that it will now become compulsory to to discuss like same sex relationships in school. It's very much going to be families come in different ways. That's how it's going to express. Mm. Some families are going to have two mammies. Some families have two daddies. Some families are going to have one daddy. Some families have one mammy. Some families will have a mammy and a daddy. Mm. It's very much based around relationships and how it's still a loving family and it shouldn't be looked at any differently. So good that they're bringing in um, discussions on same-sex marriage and, and the family and stuff. Yes. Because I know sexual health particularly is really important for the gay community. Yes. And they've definitely seen their highs and lows with sexual health. I think that being two gay guys on this podcast, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the HIV and AIDS epidemic that mm-hmm. kind of swept through our community back in the 80s because... It was basically a plague that was picking off gay people left, right and centre and no one knew why it was happening. No one knew where it was coming from. Mm. Uh, it was being ignored by the media, by everyone really. It was kind of just swept under the rug and people were kind of falling prey to this disease that no one knew anything about. I mean, there was people who were fighting for it to stop. They just didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. There was doctors and nurses. You, you always read about like these stories of doctors and nurses who looked after and loved their patients yeah. in the 80s. They said they came home like every day crying because they saw you know young men and young 
particularly young men, but also yeah. young women, dying every day. And like, there's like books about letters that they've written and stories. And it's the most heartbreaking thing to hear. Mm-hmm. So whilst obviously the majority of people were ignoring us, there was a core group of people that loved us and really wanted to look after us. And, and it's important to remember them. And it really is important to remember them. But I was reading a couple of pieces about this time quite recently and people who have survived it and talked about what it was like for their community at the time. It's just so, so sad because they they literally said there was no point in getting tested to find out whether you had it or not because there was no cure. It was untreatable. By knowing your status, you were just assigning yourself to the knowledge in your brain that I don't have long left. I'm going to be fired from my job because I have this. I'm going to be kicked out of my house. My family are going to let me go. There's no work for me to go. Um, In New York, there were only two hospitals that would take patients who had HIV or AIDS. They would not have anyone else in the hospital at all. The stigma against it was fucking horrific. Like, And it was a life sentence, effectively. It was a life sentence. And it was horrible because it was obviously very prevalent in the LGBT community. And a lot of people, especially in America, would consider it kind of God's wrath against the gays and kind of thing. And were quite happy to let it go. I know, it's, it's awful. And we lost so, so many beautiful LGBT people at the time. And it's something that we've kind of realized you probably don't see a lot of older gay men in their 50s and 60s yeah. oh because gosh. a lot of them did lose their yeah. lives unfortunately and you don't see that Fuck. many couples because a lot of them lost their significant other at that time like you can only imagine how many amazing icons and role models and, and you never know how kids today might feel a little bit better about being LGBT and it might be more open if we had those people to look up to yeah well it's like you told me your parents were on holidays and one of the first things your mom said she was kind of like god there's so many um, older gay couples over here like she was genuinely surprised oh, wow. to see men in their 60s and 70s holding hands and being openly affectious and what? affectionate yeah. which is so sad but it is a surprise it's heartbreaking but the thing is as well because obviously I was on holiday with my mother and we were in a very gay area and she saw it and she was genuinely shocked by the amount of gay couples because in her mind she was like oh gay couples don't show themselves in public like that and that's not what it was. It's the fact that there are no gay couples or there are not enough gay couples that age to yes. see. So she didn't know growing up that they were there because unfortunately they weren't with us. That's fucking heartbreaking. But also maybe in Ireland as well, there isn't as many open gay couples, like particularly where your mom is from. Oh yeah, that's it's a big both, time thing yeah. as well. Like that's another thing about the sexual health conversation I had with my parents when I was came out at about 16 because fair play to them actually broke in the top with me because my mother, yeah. as far as I'm aware, didn't have any experiences of gay people. There weren't any in the family. She didn't have any friends like that. It was very much like, you don't talk about those kind of people. They go into the priesthood or they get sent away or literally that's what happened or they'd go off and do their own thing in a different country so well done ma'am love you (laughs) comparing bring it back now to generation y Mm -hmm. there's massive developments in treatment of hiv and aids so obviously one of the big breakthroughs for the lgbt community is the introduction of prep and pep so prep is the i hope i say this right now pre-exposure prophylaxis prophylaxis which is a HIV prevention strategy where HIV negative individuals take HIV medication before coming into contact with HIV to reduce their risk of becoming infected okay so you take PrEP if you're not infected exactly it's something something that you take um, every single day it's a pill you take every single day it's preventative okay it's preventative exactly we also have something which is called PEP P-E-P which is post exposure so this is something you should take between 48 to 72 hours after you have been exposed to HIV say for example I'm exposed to HIV and I take PEP within 24 hours to 48 hours Will, will I not catch the disease well, no one knows if it, ha- if it has a 100% um, success rate, but it has been, has, is it highly effective well. at stopping it. There's also been recent progress with people who do have HIV. 
So there is now medication that you can take so that you are basically considered undetectable, which means the HIV cannot be measured in your bloodstream. So does that mean you can't pass it on? Effectively. You cannot pass it on. You can't pass it on. Now, it's not a cure. It does not get rid of the HIV in your bloodstream, but it lowers it down so much that you cannot pass it on. But obviously, it's one of those things you have to take it every single day okay. if you are on that medication, because if you don't take it, then your HIV levels will increase and then you can pass it on. Okay. If you do have HIV and you do take this medication and you are undetectable, you can live a happy, full life. Yeah. It is not the life sentence that it was. Yeah. And just to make it clear, you cannot pass on the virus if you are HIV undetectable. Amazing. And there are studies to prove that. They're still doing yeah. them at present, but most of the studies have shown that you cannot pass the virus on to someone else if you are undetectable. Exactly. Because in the gay community, there's a lot of stigma around having sex with HIV positive people or being yeah. in relationships with HIV positive yeah. people. And that obviously stems from the bad experiences our community has had over the years. But there are things that are happening right now, as we talked about, that are preventative that are stopping it that are preventing it from being passed on so it's, it's something that we really should look forward to and when you consider we were 30 years ago to now like yeah. the, the strides you've taken are absolutely incredible and I think it's mad to think like the I HIV just... crisis happened 30 years ago mm. that's almost our age yeah do you know what I mean like that's not that long ago yeah mm-hmm. so uh, just if people don't know exactly what HIV is um, it's a virus and why it's so difficult to treat is that um, the antigens that the viruses have I think it's antigen is the word but Um, It changes its coding and its outer surface all the time. And so it's very difficult to find a drug that can act on that specific antigen because of its ever-changing surface. Um, So it's effectively this just super virus that's really, really difficult to cure. It's Mm. you more maintain it now, but at least we can maintain it now, Exactly, yeah. And just a word of wisdom, if you ever say you don't have HIV or an STI, we never use the words, oh no, it's okay, I'm clean. Mm. Because that means if you do have something, then you're insinuating that that person is dirty. Oh shit, I think I said clean earlier, so sorry. No, to, to be fair, it, it, it is the kind of discourse that people have used in the past. Yeah. And it's totally fine because you're not doing it with any malintent, but in the gay community, a lot of people will just ask you the question like, are you clean? Or they will treat people uh, okay. who have HIV as seen as dirty when they're not. I think it comes from the saying, a clean bill of health though. Like, I don't know if you've heard that term. That's where I'd be using it for. Yeah, of course. Aid. That's where yeah. it comes from. Going back to stigma as well, I guess when you think on the surface of it, it's just a bacterial or a viral infection where humans are all going to carry it. And I think when you think of STIs, especially common STIs, because the most common, I think, is HPV and gentle warts. And they say that everybody will be exposed to it in their lifetime, mm-hmm. which is yeah. insane. Also incurable. And you just get that from any sort of like genital contact. So you don't even need to have sex with the person. And you, there's no protection against it. Condoms don't protect against HPV. The HPV can be really dangerous to women. So they've introduced a HPV vaccine for girls, I think, in skills in Ireland. I was too old to get it at the time but you have to it's before they're sexually active so they usually give it to girls around 14 years old after the introduction of this vaccine there has been a 64 percent decrease in hpv prevalence medicine as a total works, it's insane it's medicine works medicine works um, and why this is so important is because hpv is responsible for about thirty-two thousand cases of cervical cancer every year we need to be aware of this stuff so guys have you ever planned to have sex no <laughs> You're missing out, baby. <laughs> so, as Nikki kindly said there, I do have a nice little quiz that we got from Zibu's feed, as we tend to do. And this quiz is only for people who want to have sex. So, if you've ever planned to have sex, this is the quiz for you. <laughs> that small percentage of Generation Ys who want to have sex, this is for you. Well, Gen Y is having over sex, so there you go. Get the ride. The ride. The ride is another term for the act of sexual intercourse. 
Now we know it sounds quite crude, but it's generally regarded as unoffensive. Shout out, oh, to, shout out to our five listeners that this is relevant to. Actually, I'm just going to fucking plug this. We have over 500 listeners now. Ooh. I checked. Okay, guys. So in the nice fashion that we usually do with these quizzes, I'm going to read you a question. You're going to have a look at the answers and decide. But this time, I think you should work as a team. We should work as a team. Yes. I do believe two brains, well, my half brain and your full brain are better than just my half brain. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. We're both wearing condoms as well, so we're safe. Yes. <laughs> Always wear a condom. Oh, don't actually do that. It's really unsafe. Get tested. Okay. So first question. True or false? You should only get tested for STIs when you have symptoms. False. false. As I said, most symptoms are asymptomatic. No, most STIs are asymptomatic for women. Correct, so this is false. Actually, the most common symptoms of STIs is feeling fine and having zero signs of infection. Shit, I am riddled. <laughs> <laughs> Which of the following is not an STI? Trichomaniasis, cancroid, bacterial vaginosis, chlamydia, or hepatitis B? I think I know this one, John. Go, girl, you're the scientist. I think it's BV. I think it's bacterial vaginosis. Is not correct. Ooh, Holy shit. Oh my God, you swear I had a vagina. <laughs> Bacterial vaginosis or BV is not an STI. It happens when the normal bacteria in the vagina are replaced with high levels of uncultivated anaerobic bacteria. That's what I was saying. It's very sensitive. VV sensitive V, guys. VV sensitive V. VV sensitive V. How could I think so beautiful and you so much pleasure? I'm so glad you said that. Could it also bring you so much pain? <laughs> okay. Doesn't you... bring, it doesn't bring you pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these is not a way to prevent STIs? Condoms, vaccination, douching or abstinence? Which of these... Is not a witch You can't prevent them with vaccination or douching. Oh no, yeah. vaccination you can! HPV! Fuck! Douching, douching, douching. Douching, yeah, okay. Correct, douching. Douching is not an effective method of protection against STIs. Do you want to tell people what douching is so they don't know? For those who don't know, douching is when you take um, some water and squeeze it inside of your anus or vagina to clear out so that you can have nice clean sex. You can actually buy a douche in a, a pharmacy. You can get douches. There's like self-douches that you can insert and clean out your insides. They're great. They're lovely. Yeah. Make Go sure you it. clean it out beforehand with hot water and clean it afterwards with some hot water. Quick one on that one. Um, douching is very important and it's nothing to be ashamed of. You will fart a lot as a gay man if you douche. There was a very <laughs> funny story that a drag queen that I follow on Instagram, at Crystal Lubricant, she was on a date. <laughs> oh my God. Such a good name. She was on a date with a guy, brought him back to the hotel, was douching, obviously making lots of noises, came back and he had left. <gasps> so please guys, douching happens, people fart, get over it. Yeah, shame on him. Mm. Which of the following can be cured with antibiotics? So can be cured. Chlamydia, herpes, hepatitis B, or the human pampilloma virus. I oh know my god, I can't one. say that. Human pampilloma virus, HPV. The first one, is it chlamydia? Yes, chlamydia. Yes. Correct. Chlamydia can be cured with antibiotics. So what's the most common STI in the US? So this is American now. Chlamydia, gonorrhea, herpes simplex virus, HPV, syphilis, or cancroid. I've never heard of cancroid. Never heard of cancroid. Uh, I think it's chlamydia. I'm going to go for chlamydia. Wrong. HPV. HPV, of course. So like we said, HPV is um, the human pampiloma virus. It is the most common STI and about 79 million Americans are currently infected with an estimated 14 million being infected every year. So fun fact about HPV. Women are tested... By, for HPV with a smear test. Men cannot be tested for HPV unless they have symptoms. Okay. Yeah. That's terrifying. In men, anyway. Which of these STIs can be spread through skin-to-skin contact? Genital herpes, HPV, syphilis, none of the above, or all of the above? Uh, herpes, I think. Skin-to-skin herpes? Uh, maybe all of... The- syphilis? I don't know about syphilis. To be honest, I think syphilis might be. Shall we do all of the above? I think all of the above. Correct! Yes. All of these can be transmitted from genital to genital. A common name for gonorrhea is the pox, the clap, <laughs> the trip, 
or the fire? The clap? The clap. The clap. Correct, the clap. Okay, guys, so I think that kind of brings us to the end of this week's episode. I love saying that as if, like, you know, we have to in a certain amount of time. We can sit here for hours and talk, but I think it's good to keep it short. Yeah. Oh, it's over. It's over. Oh. (laughs) 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 But anyway... So guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We thought that obviously with it being HIV testing week and um, the 10th anniversary of 56 Street and so that'd be really important to talk about sexual health. Yes. Sexual health is a huge thing for Generation Y. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about it more. We need to get tested more often. We need to kind of remove the taboo behind it. Go get tested all the time with your partner, without your partner. It doesn't matter if you're gay, you're straight, you're non-binary, you're in between, you're with someone, you're single, old, young, just fucking do it. Just wish to reiterate that we are not experts this is not our field we just think it's a discourse that's important to talk about with mm, gen wires so if you're not sure if you are curious if you think you should be tested please don't hesitate to do it please talk to the medical professionals it is their job they will not laugh talk about safe sex there is nothing harder than talking about safe sex <laughs> <laughs> um also we did talk a lot uh, i think we talked a little deeply about a lot of things and um, we will put uh, links in our social media and yep. on the website to places that you can go to learn more about sexual health for straight people, for gay people, all the kinds of things. So if you are interested and want to know more about that in general or Dean Street, um, just go onto our socials. Thank you so much, guys. Again, uh, for those who don't know at this point, <laughs> our socials are on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at Generation underscore Y though. On Facebook, follow us at Generation Y though. To Facebook. To Facebook. Or you can email us at genwhytho at gmail.com don't forget to listen on Spotify Apple Podcasts wherever you can listen to a good podcast like, subscribe and tell all your friends yes give us a five star rating as well guys thank you goodbye okay. goodbye good friends goodbye girl we don't have a license for that the time to go to go the moon the bear and the big blue house we'll be waiting for you to come and play what? goodbye to come and play I want to go this week to come and play. I don't feel comfortable. Play. Big Bear should encourage kids to go to sexual health clinics. Goodbye. Stay safe. <laughs>